We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big ML topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction. Starring Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It all starts right here, right now on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. Now this day, Today, Bruce Levine, the 2nd of May, this is what I'm talking about. This feels like spring out there. It was nice enough yesterday to have coffee on the balcony in the morning and a little wine on the balcony at night. All we need now is some baseball. Wouldn't that be nice? It would, uh, Matt Spiegel. It is, it is uh, certainly feeling like baseball season, even though we do not have it. But this is a typical nice spring day in Chicago. And we are happy you are with us on Inside the Clubhouse. We hope to keep you entertained and informed for the next two hours. We will uh, talk to you at 312-644-6767. Terry Francona, the manager of the Cleveland Indians, former manager of the Boston Red Sox when they broke their curse in 2004. Michael Jordan's manager will be uh, one of our guests. And Don Cooper, the pitching coach of the Chicago White Sox, another on this edition of Inside Clubhouse, Matt. Yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to both of those, uh, Bruce. Coop has been great in talking about the technology that is around baseball and the White Sox have now fully embraced and how Coop used to be a little resistant to it, but not anymore. He's like fully embracing it. And it's been it's been really instructive to listen to him. And, and, and Terry Francona, your old friend, is a is a terrific interview, a thoughtful guy, uh, has great Jordan stories and also knows what it's like to manage a team on the way up and to manage a team maybe fighting for one last little taste of it, like the Red Sox at the end of his run and maybe these Cubs as well. So looking forward to both of those conversations very much. Yeah, 15 years in a row with uh, no record under 500. Amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it is. And uh, Theo Epstein's favorite manager? I don't know. I mean, maybe his first favorite, like the one the one he really bonded with. It, it, I feel like every time we've ever talked about managing with, with yeah, Theo, like Frank Cohn is there. Favorite, favorite wives. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you, you'll you'll um, also hear you'll also hear from a few uh, baseball guests who were on the station this week. Hawk Harrelson on with Mully and Hall. We'll hear him talking about the cancellation of the Hall of Fame ceremonies. And then Jason Hayward was on with Lawrence Holmes, as was Joe Madden on with Lawrence Holmes. And they 
had uh, some comments about uh, the Bulls and, and the last dance and what these Cubs might have in common or not. Um, but uh, looking forward to talking to you, Bruce, about the latest in the ongoing series of Might This Be The Way Baseball Looks. Every couple of weeks we get a new one, huh? Baseball model, take three. Uh, <laughs> you know, again, it's uh, it's du jour, you know, the... The model du jour, uh, which one do you want? Uh, I was talking to you in our you know, preparation earlier and talking about how three weeks ago it was the uh, Arizona plan. Two weeks ago it was the uh, plan that uh, everybody would be going to three des- destinations. It would be Texas, Florida, and uh, Arizona. And now uh, the latest Bob Nightingale uh, mutterings on it is that um, <laughs> spring training will take place in all of the cities and uh that that's where it'll start and uh you know baseball will begin there uh, with no fans uh that is that's the latest model and again as we talked about i think three and a half or four weeks ago um they major league baseball has committees that are working on many many models and i was told up to 15 that they Mm -hmm. were discussing and some of these leak out. Now, Matt, uh, you've been around baseball for a long time. Are these leaked out on purpose through these guys just to float things, to keep the idea that baseball is coming back and that uh, there is a plan coming out in the future, even though the ones that we heard might not necessarily be that? Or is uh, this something that baseball doesn't like when they hear these uh, possible pie-in-the-sky ideas coming out? Well, I I think that's a great question. And I think depending on the source, it may very well be uh, a plant to kind of float it out there and see what people think. I I mean, I I think we know for sure that the idea of an Arizona and Florida season of four, four and a half months, and you can't be with your family, we know that wasn't going to go anywhere. And and it was a non-starter. This one, depending on the source, I love how you refer to it as mutterings, um, by the way, that, yeah, this, this might be an institutional float that comes this way via USA Today. Um, so I guess, I guess here's what I wanted to ask you, Bruce, and maybe throw out to the possibility of the audience, is that while we do have what I agree is, is idea after idea, and who knows if any of these things are going to happen, and some of them are just leaks, some of them are floats, and none of it is really concrete. I think also it feels to me like we are getting a little bit closer. Like when people say, when Manfred says there will be baseball, when other news sources say, I do believe there's going to be baseball, when they make a deal with the umpires, as they did yesterday, and we'll talk about that, when when, when they, they start you know, getting things a little bit closer. So is it possible that both things are true, that these ideas and plans are just kind of ideas and plans that might not have any specific merit, but we are also moving closer towards the possibility of baseball. Could both those things be true? Well, I, I think what you look at is, uh, you know, you, you compare to what the medical reports are in our country and in the certain areas that we're in or New York or uh, California, what are the expectations? Where Where is the peaking being done right now? Is it plausible to start thinking about the fact that, you know, COVID-19 is, is starting to peak and go the other way? 
and if that's the case, there's there's optimism everywhere. So so I think that's where it begins. You know, uh, you know, ha- has it started to peak? Certainly in Chicago, we've been hit hard, and we continue to get hit hard. But you know, there were some positive. Uh, you know, words out of uh, Governor Pritzker and uh, the mayor th- this last week about how, uh, you know, even though there's still tremendous uh, devastation going on, uh, there, there is a peaking. So mm-hmm. I, I know it's a, it's a sensitive area when we talk about people's lives and families, you know, losing loved ones and baseball at the same time, you know, you have to really walk on eggshells. But I think that's where the optimism comes from first and foremost. Uh, and, uh, you know, we can start by going into the umpires and how that is worded. Uh, they, they've come up with an agreement with the umpires this week, Matt, where yes. um, they'll be uh, paid 50 percent of their salary for the month of May. Nothing promised after that. But then wording saying that uh, they could if there's one game played after um, June 1st, that the umpires will get no less than one third of their money due for 2020, but then it breaks into an area where they'll be paid a prorated amount per the 182 games that are pay, uh, that are on the major league docket each and every year. So it's a little convoluted, but uh, it's it's good news and bad news, and you know you can take it from there. Yeah, no, I I think I think that's a fair way to read it. Is that it's preparing for both contingencies still. Okay, the umps were getting paid through April. This new deal gives them half of their pay for the month of May, and they released a statement, the umpires union, which I thought was very self-aware, saying that, look, these are tough economic times for everybody. We're fortunate to get to do our jobs. Um, But then, as you say, there's nothing guaranteed after May, but there is wording of how they might do it if they were to play. So I think both possibilities are, are, are indeed in there. Um, I just like seeing the Ducks being put in a row by the baseball powers that be, um, because this is what they should be doing. At, at the very least, that is what they should be doing. Let me ask you about one other thing that's in that deal, Bruce, where um, it, it, the replay rules, the instant replay may not exist this year. Within that framework of the deal that MLB made with the umpires is that MLB is reserving the right to not have instant replay just in case the ballparks that they use do not permit it. Is there anything else that you read into that, them you know, giving themselves the right to not have replay at all, all year? Or was it just to, just to protect themselves if there are no ballparks that allow it? I think quickening up the games. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Hmm. You know, the, I, think, I think replay is something that, you know, you can register and maybe it, it could have an impact of uh, five to ten minutes depending on a certain game. So I think... You know, just having a uh, a very compact and very quick ball game, I think, is part of the plan for the future without fans. Yeah. I, I think, you know, obviously two-hour to two-hour and 15-minute games would be ideal. If you go back to that Baltimore White Sox game, was two hours and four minutes five years ago uh, with no uh, fan participation, hmm. uh, no, no, no people stepping out, just going up there doing the job, kind of playing 1950s-style baseball. So why, was I, I that, that, why was that so compressed, Bruce? That's interesting. I haven't. I know that was the anniversary, the five-year anniversary of that game this week, but why, why was that game so compressed in relation to no fans in attendance? Uh, they were uh, talking to the individuals and, and going back and reading the quotes from that. I remember talking to uh, you know some of the players uh, coming out of it, like Adam Eaton. Uh, they said the, that they were all 
so concerned about getting out of there because mm. Baltimore was uh, was going through some riots that yeah. everybody just stepped in there and did their job. The, you know, they were not they weren't taking deep counts. They were trying to get a good ball to hit. Uh, the pitchers were throwing the ball quickly, and uh, there was no none, none of that uh, ceremonial walking out and uh, you know posturing that a lot of the hitters do. It was all business that day. Gotcha. So yeah, it, it, so that's the thing. Like this mandate that baseball has had, these these dreams and ideals to try and quicken the game might be tied in to how uh, how this this thing goes on this year. So yeah, there if there are games, there might not be replay. Um, it let's can we go back to this the idea from the Nightingale float or the mutterings, um, the three super divisions. The if people didn't see it, there is some sensibility there depending on when and how they got together to just have like three 10 team divisions anyway, that are all geographically based Mm -hmm. that would limit the travel, nothing more than like an hour and a half. I think it was of either a train ride or or bus ride or, or a a short flight, except for a couple of teams like Atlanta, which is sort of out there on an Island on the East. Um, And then, uh, or, or they'd be in the central actually, which, which was an odd fit. And then Seattle up in the, the Northwest for the West. But it, it, there's part of this that could be could be really fun if this were to happen. Like the chaos of these three gigantic super divisions. Look at the Central. The Central with the Cubs and the White Sox and the Reds and the Indians and the Braves and the Brewers, the Twins, the Cardinals. By, by my unofficial, completely objective look, eight of the ten teams were expected to be at least decent this coming year, that would be a chaotic, bizarre super division right there. Yeah, the and, and if you, uh, if you, man, if you take it to, uh, you know, a hundred game season, you'd probably play about uh, nine or ten games apiece against those uh, other teams in your division. That, that's how it would break down. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you'd have the White Sox and Cubs playing, you know, ten games. You know, would that be, uh, you know, that, that that'd be pretty special considering we've never had more than six between the two teams. On, on certain years, uh, this this year was supposed to be four, uh, depending on what divisions you're playing uh, up against in um, in uh, you know interdivision play, so or interleague play. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, I mean, would that be good news or bad news, you know, for you? Would you like to see the Sox and Cubs play ten times? And if you knew it was once, but if they took this and they used it as a model. Would you not like the idea of the White Sox and Cubs being in the same division in a real line baseball where they could never again meet in a World Series? Well, but but then they would meet and all their games would actually have divisional consequence, which would be pretty sure. fascinating to have that be the case. You'd be guaranteed relevance for all those games more than than just bragging rights or, you know, a gas company's trophy or, or whatever. It's uh, so so I, I would say I would say absolutely bring it on if this ends up being something that that has to be done because of geographic uh, limitations. It, it, it'd be amazing, Bruce, I, I think, to have spring training in this town with both ballparks in use, have the Cubs doing spring training at Wrigley, the White Sox doing spring training at guaranteed rate. Maybe they'd have a couple of crosstown scrimmages because they mm-hmm. could. Most teams could not. Maybe they would not, depending on social distancing and, and what we're doing. But, I, I mean, I, I think of you and your daily drives in Arizona the last 15 years or whatever it's been as you go to both ballparks. 
you would just have what? You'd have eight miles to go. You know, you'd have eight miles to go back and forth every day. You could yeah, do that. That's true. That's true. I, I you know, I certainly, <laughs> I certainly would uh, would enjoy, you know, being home, able to cover the teams. But from the perspective of, uh, you know, the spring training without fans and and those regular season games without fans. Yeah. You know, how much of the luster would be off of the uh, Cubs Sox matchup? I mean, how much? Absolutely. How much energy uh, comes from? the two fan bases during that. I mean, it's a, it's, it's as much energy in a lot of those games, not all of them, depending on where the teams are at in the standings and what's going on that particular season. But many of those uh, games had as much energy as uh, any of the world series games I've covered during my career. Without a doubt. That, that has so much to do with it. Again, we go back to the point of we'll take baseball in any form for 2020 and it'll just be, Fine, listening to it on the score, Sox Cubs, or watching it on, uh, you know, Marquee or NBC uh, Sports Chicago, uh, the the Cubs and Sox games. We'll take it, but um, if it's if it's uh, every every if it's every year, uh, ten times a year, that's a different dynamic altogether. That's something you really have to think about. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. Um, and and the whole idea of baseball without fans is. Look, it's it's abhorrent. It is abhorrent to have this idea of of, of no fans and no energy and a, and a, and I agree with what so many have said. Doug Glanville has written, Faye Vincent has said that you, know, you wouldn't be presenting the game in its best possible light and the most positive light. But the world is going to change in the short term and the long term here, and we don't exactly know what's going to go. And and you're not going to want to eliminate everything. You know, it, 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 if you can't, it's um, it, it, it definitely is a, a fascinating moment. Um, 312-644-6767 is the phone number if you want to hop in. Lines are open if you want to talk about any of this stuff with us. And you can text us as well at 67011. A couple of texts uh, coming in, Bruce. Um, no thanks if the Cubs have to adopt the DH. Actually, the Cubs brass disagrees with you strongly on that. They've been hoping for a DH since uh, since they got here, haven't they? Yeah, at least Bruce. another year. Uh, until uh, all their yeah. free agents are up. Yeah, uh, yeah. But- Schwarber as their DH against right-handed hitters, you know, that would be, in their mind, ideal, even though he's yeah. made himself into a, a, a halfway decent left fielder by intense hard work. Uh, you know, a better better defensive player out there with Schwarber just concentrating on DH, uh, that would be something they would enjoy for the next, uh, for this year and next. We don't know right. what uh, is in the future for uh, those big uh, big players and the Cubs as they approach free agency after 2021. I've been pointing to this year, Bruce, and looking forward to this year, as I know you have, so much in this town, as blessed as we are to be in a two-team town, and to have both teams be in a position to be extremely relevant and interesting this year. We don't know if the White Sox were going to ascend or will ascend if they play to to playoff caliber. We don't know whether the Cubs are going to slip out of the 90-plus win realm that they have trafficked in for for so many years now in a row. But we know that the Cubs feel on the way down, the White Sox feel on the way up, and both were going to be interesting. And this prospect of them being in the same division, super division or not, for geographic convenience, but us getting to benefit from seeing them play a lot of games against each other of relevance 
that that's exciting to me. That possibility is exciting to me just because of where they are in their competitive arcs. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure New York would feel the same way, you know, yes. with the with the Mets and the Yankees, uh, Dodgers and Angels as well would be uh, pretty compelling. Giants uh, and Oakland, you know, so 10, 10 games each for all of those would certainly take the, uh, you know, that particular, you know, battle on a yearly basis to another level. And then again, uh, as you said, Matt, it, it's also a model that they can look at and try during this truncated season to see if it flies and if uh, a reworking of what a World Series would be, how, how teams get to the World Series. Uh, that would all be a part and parcel of uh, this new model that we're looking at in 2020. Absolutely. Uh, you're listening to Inside the Clubhouse right here on 670 The Score. You'll hear um, some snippets from three different um, baseball luminaries, uh, a player, uh, a manager, and a Hall of Fame broadcaster who were on the score during the course of the week. You'll hear that in a few minutes. But um, wanted to take a minute, Bruce, to mention, as you and I talked about before the show, the passing of Don Costello, the the longtime um, Cubs employee in stadium operations, a guy that you and I both used to see manning the elevator that would take you up towards the press box. Um, but a, a hardcore Cubs fan, longtime great Cubs fan and passionate White Sox hater, which was made known in some articles written about him this week, as well as people have may, have may have seen the the letters he got back from several different ball clubs when he sent them letters as a free agent fan, and I believe it was 1980. Some entertaining yeah. stuff. Yeah, it was really good. I mean, he sent uh, there were three responses that he got from general managers or top uh, or one one case a, a media relations uh, official and the other two executives that wrote him back about uh, you know him. Uh, selling out on the Cubs and joining uh, in with another organization as a fan because he was so frustrated with the uh, with the Wrigley. Uh, it was right at the time where um, the Cubs were sold by the Wrigley family to the Tribune family. That was in 1981, and he was fed up with the the teams of uh, 1980 and 81, which were two of the worst teams in Cub history. He had just about had it. So uh, Don, in those off-seasons, wrote to these executives. One was uh, Jim Fanning, who was a top executive of Montreal, and the other was uh, Harry Dalton uh, with the Milwaukee Brewers uh, as well. And uh, it, was, it was a fascinating, interesting uh, letters that we got to see on Twitter uh, from his son Don as well to uh, let us look at uh, his father. And, and as you said, Don was a, was a wonderful guy, and a really passionate Cub fan. Every time we'd get on the elevator, he would be grilling me on what Madden's doing, why they did this in the <laughs> fifth inning on uh, Monday. And, I mean, he was really into it, a really good guy. And we'll miss him uh, at Wrigley Field for sure. A Cubs fan in exile who lived down on the south side, right in, in the shadow of, of the ballpark, used to be able to see the fireworks from uh, old Comiskey from his back porch but at the same time never owned a pair of white socks because he hated the team that much. You know, we, we like to we like to laugh at the tribalism um, that that does exist in this town, but when you see I it miss... in its purest you, when you see it in its purest form, it's kind of adorable from either direction. I got to say, it's like Man, I I miss the haters. <laughs> I'm, I'm... 
I mean, you know, White Sox fans, I think, and again, there's there's been no uh, study done by me or anyone else as to whether White Sox fans disdain Cub fans more than vice versa. But uh, I think over the years, I've seen more from White Sox fans talking about Cub fans and that they're not real fans. They don't really know the game, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and uh, less than Cub fans. But I, I saw a change in 2005 after the White Sox won the World Series and Cub fans became a little bit more defensive and, and defending themselves and their their Cubdom as well at that point in time. But I, I used to love that hate when the score first started back in 1992 and uh, all that that venom used to come out from Sox fans and Cub fans. I, I, I love that. I think that that kind of was center stage for what the score uh, was and what it became. Well, it's, it, it's often real. It's, it's there, you know, and like to, to have this kind of intellectual elitism about how you shouldn't dislike that and stay above it. I think that that became like really common and very silly uh, on, on these airwaves sometimes. Like if it's real, if this is there, then fine. I mean, you've met my wife, Bruce. She made me declare before our first date, she said, Cubs are socks, right? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, look, I'm, a, I'm, you know, born and bred a Red Sox fan. I'm blessed with objectivity and all this. And she said, yeah, 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 whatever. Cubs or Sox. Like she made me declare or right. else I was not going to get a date with the woman. This, this, mm -hmm. this guy, Don Costello, he kept memorabilia from games that the White Sox lost, of right? Of course. Of course he did. <laughs> I mean, that's the beauty of being a passionate fan about your team and, and hating the other if you're in New York, Chicago, L.A. I think yes. Chicago epitomizes it because the Mets were uh, later arrivals back in 62 and the, uh -huh. the Dodgers uh, and Angels are a, a little bit later because it was the Pacific Coast League that people were passionate about until the late 50s in California before there was expansion. But we digress. Uh, we will come back with a with some baseball rewind for you, for, for you from all of our great shows this week. Also, Terry Francona, Don Cooper, much more here. And, of course, your participation is demanded at 312-644-6767. Absolutely. And text us at 6711. And, and count me among those hoping for a Cubs-Sox divisional rivalry, if, even if it's a one-year um, you know, re recalibration for geographic convenience. As Bruce mentioned, baseball luminaries on the score this week. You'll hear from them next, including Madden, Hayward, and Hawk. All of that coming up on Inside the Clubhouse right here on 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Most recent one we've seen 
has the Cubs and the Sox in the same division. Are you ready to drive in and go to Wrigley Field for a game if it comes to that, Hawk? I'll never step foot in that ballpark again. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> Talk Carlson this week on with Mike Mulligan and David Hall right here on 670 The Score. Uh, Hawk's feelings about the ballpark, uh, fairly well known there, Bruce Levine. He's a hater. He's certainly a hater, right? <laughs> this I mean, hour on the score is brought to you by Team Hawkberg. Visit their new website, 56david.com. That's 56david.com. Yeah, longtime hater, Hawk Harrelson. And, and that perpetuates uh, these rivalries. I mean, uh, Cub fans hated Hawk, you know. They despised him, and he loved being the villain, you know, the guy that said, I'm riding in, uh, you know, I'm wearing the, the black hat, the black mask, and, you know, you know, here I am with my team. We hate your team. We're going to beat your team. We hate your ballpark. You know, it's just uh, the beauty of it. Ozzy used to do the same thing with Wrigley Field. You know, didn't hate the fans, but hated the ballpark. Called it a right. dungeon, you know, where, where rats hung out, you know, in the, the older version of Wrigley Field. They've yeah. all left there now. They've all gone elsewhere. All the rats? Yeah, yeah, no, there, there was an association of, of rats, um, the, the pig-sized rats. They got together and, and tried to form an alliance and, uh, and fight the reconstruction and, and everything that was yeah, done around Wrigley Field, but they were unsuccessful. They got moved out. The, so. There are no rats in Chicago. Just take my word for it. <laughs> okay, I will. Um, here's Hawk Harrelson with Mully and Haw talking about the cancellation of the Hall of Fame ceremonies because as much as it was going to be Derek Jeter's year for New Yorkers, uh, it was definitely going to be Hawk Harrelson's year for a lot of Chicagoans. So here's Hawk talking about how the Hall of Fame is going to have to put it off. I was disappointed, certainly. You know, there's no question about that. But uh, they made the right decision. You know, there's going to be a lot of people there. Derek Jeter is going to be bringing them in from all over the world, so to speak. You know, he's uh, uh, justifiably so. I didn't, if it was just me, that's one thing. But it's not. I could not talk my family uh, out of not coming. They were going to come regardless. And so I was concerned about that. And the biggest disappointment, though, really, uh, even that is the financial hit that the hamlet of uh, Cooperstown is going to take. I mean, this is what they do, you know, to make their big, most of their livelihood, you know, for the year. And uh, that's a shame that's going to happen. But again, they, they made the right decision. See, that's the thing, Bruce. You've got the Little League canceling the World Series for the first time this year. Cooperstown is going to feel the brunt. Add them to the list of, uh, uh, of how these cancellations are going to damage economies all across the yeah, country. Yeah, those stores do uh, 80% of their business uh, during that, uh, that one week, uh, the Hall of Fame week and weekend uh, in July. So, of course, uh, devastations everywhere as far as businesses go, as we, we well know. Um, what, what do you think they're going to do, Hall of Fame-wise, just kind of put it all together? Next year's going to be next year's going to yeah, be huge. Yeah, that's the plan. Uh, so uh, the Hall of Fame uh, sent out a uh, notice to uh, baseball writers this <coughs> week and said that uh, th they will all be included in the uh, induction in uh, July of 2021. So it'll be it'll be a, a double group, you know, Jeter and um, certainly uh, Hawk, and uh, you know, uh, we you have Ted. Simmons and Marvin Miller all going in, uh, getting their just due, but it'll be combina in combination with the, the group that's voted in next year for the 2021 induction. And um, here's a little more Hawk. Uh, like all of us, missing baseball 
And we've been asking people what they are rewatching if they're rewatching anything. And maybe Hawk uh, Hawk's example should not be a surprise. I've been watching the games, you know, uh, on uh, MLB, the you know the big games, and I was watching that barely perfect game the other day, and I still had tears in my eyes. You know, it was just uh, it was just like it happened yesterday because of the fact that of who Mark is. You know, you get guys like Mark and the Big Hurt, Paul Canerco, and AJ, and those guys. You know, and Robin Ventura. As I said, I, I didn't like those guys. I love those guys. I love those guys like my sons, and uh, and and uh, hopefully Paulie's going to get in there, and hopefully Mark's going to get into the Hall of Fame because they certainly deserve it. But it's it, I miss it. I love baseball now more than I ever have. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if um, I don't know if Paulie or Mark will. I don't I don't know if either of them will get in. Hall of the Very well, Good for a long time. What do you think? Yeah, if they ever come up with the Hall of the Very Good, which you and I could probably start. Uh, mm-hmm. at some point here in Chicago. The Hall of the Very Good would have Kinerko and Burley in it. Might even have more interesting characters on the Hall of the Very Good than the uh, the Hall of Fame itself. So, uh, yeah, um, it's it's interesting. Uh, I'm Personally, I've seen Bucky Dent hit that home run in 1978 way too many times during the last uh, five or six weeks. <laughs> I, uh... I'm, I'm, a little, I'm a little over watching... Replays, although, you know, there's some really compelling ones, both on uh, Marquee and NBC Sports Chicago. I mean, there's some of them are fun, but, uh, you know, after seven or eight weeks, you start seeing some of these things again, especially on the MLB network, and it, it, it gets a little old. Yeah, everybody's getting itchy. Everybody's getting a little itchy for some kind of uh, um, actual competition. I mean, here we go. Korean baseball organization begins on the 5th of May, Bruce. You ready? You in? I'm, I'm, I'm ready for any type of baseball right now. I'll watch yeah. it. And there'll be uh, English uh, broadcasters, which will be good. And we'll all be, uh, we'll all be ready for it. We'll sit down and watch uh, three or four innings before we fall asleep. Yeah, look for the next Eric Thames uh, coming yeah, out of the exactly. Korean League. Um, he, Joe Madden was on with Lawrence Holmes earlier this week, on with us a few weeks back. Uh, but on with Lawrence this week, and um, they did talk about Phil Jackson and the last dance, and we'll get to that in a second. But here's Joe. I wanted to, to hear what he had to say because we know what he said to us, Bruce. Let's hear what he told Lawrence about well, on whether he thinks there will be baseball or not this year. It's going to happen again this summer. We're going to play. We'll see each other soon. And we're all learning some great lessons right now. My my lesson is just the clarity involved in, in solitude, and it's really been interesting um, how you can uh, really build upon and dig deeper into your being, to your existence, just based on solitude and opportunity to think without having to rush to the next moment. Um, that's, that's my lesson learned, and it's been pretty spectacular. Well, on a human level, that can be, uh, can be very spectacular if you are comfortable with yourself, but that can also be daunting. All that solitude can really add up and drive you a little crazy, Bruce. I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of both. I'm, I've had both happen to me. You know, you, you enjoy your own company, but for, but for how long and how much, right? Uh-huh. Uh, you, you do need uh, interpersonal connections. You do need to communicate with people. That's what we do for a living uh, uh, on the air. Uh, we also uh, do it as people. So we're, we're all missing that quite a bit. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, although if you're, if you're good and, and you're optimistic and you're... You've got a, your mind frame in the right place. You can benefit from it. Sounds like Joe is. Yeah, I'm um, none of those. I'm none yeah, of those. <laughs> I, you know, that's not surprising. Not, not close. 
<laughs> I don't agree with that, actually. Okay. Come on, Bruce. Let people in on the real Bruce oh, come Levine. Come on. Let's enjoy the theater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, it, many have made the correlation before, but there it is right in our faces. Phil Jackson, the, the zen-like, very thoughtful leader, uh, trying to elevate his, his players to kind of a different level of uh, mental fortitude and consciousness as they go about team sports. And Joe Madden as one of the descendants of that. How seriously does Joe take that? Does he feel that sense of kinship? Here's what Joe had to say on him being like Phil Jackson. I got to uh, exchange with Phil a little bit a couple of years ago and he's uh, running the Knicks. We, we uh, like kind of like a little note back and forth. You got to understand. I go back to the Knicks when he played uh, Action Jackson and that whole group back in the day. I mean, I grew up in Pennsylvania, watched these guys all the time, and uh, really a big fan of his as a player. The way he played. Um, as I became a young manager, yeah. I mean, when he was uh, what Albany uh, when he first started out in Albany and in, in the Eastern Basketball League, I think it was. Um, I, I, you know, I read about him a little bit, and then when he gets to the NBA, yes, um, I always found it fascinating his, his Zen-like approach to the game. I don't, I've never really patted myself after him, but I've often thought that's the right way to do it. So maybe inadvertently, I've, I've glommed on to some of his ways, um, but I do. I mean, yeah, I mean, what he was able to do there, what he's, you know, as, as a major league uh, coach, what he's done is, is almost unparalleled. I mean, him and Belichick and some of the other guys, Red Arbach. Uh, but I'm a big fan, big fan. And, yes, parts of the pieces that I've seen where he's addressed the team and he's been very low-key about it, um, and, and, and uh, Michael will take over after that, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. So that, that last part especially interesting to me, Bruce, and knowing Joe Madden like you have and knowing the dynamic of that locker room over the last five years, Joe loves when there is a strong player leadership presence so he can be low-key like he's talking about Phil addressing the team and then letting the best players and or leaders take over. That's what Joe always liked the dynamic to be. Yeah, and as you say, the dynamic, uh, a little bit different in basketball basketball because you have 12 players, right? So uh, Phil was able to concentrate a little bit more time and energy with each player and, uh, you know, maybe concentrate on uh, all of them the way he wants to. In baseball, you have twice as many. And you have twice as many games. It's a, it's a little bit different, but there there are a lot of similarities between the two because, from what I've been able to observe, and I covered Phil's whole career, you know, uh, covering the Bulls and the NBA during all that time. Uh, the similarities are that they have the ability to both be exceptional listeners and exceptional talkers. So th- this is a, a quality that you don't always find. Uh, in any walk of life where you're dealing with people, but in particular uh, with the, the coaching uh, group and the fact that you know they're both of them have been hugely successful, and the reason for this success is very easy. They're both really bright guys. They're both great talkers, but most importantly, they are wonderful listeners and really tune in to what other people are about and what they have to say. You're, you're, of course, right about the differences between the basketball team, the smaller basketball team, and the baseball team. And the thing is, with Michael, Phil is blessed, in a way, to have the completely unobstructed, unquestioned best player also be the hardest worker and be the most vocal 
um, leader on, on that team. You know, it's, it's the perfect alpha that you've got. And it's not like you usually have that kind of thing in baseball. I, I will say that the great example of what Joe Madden here had was that those first two years when Lester and David Ross were there together, got there together, and they both kind of had very strong presences in their own ways um, and kind of it, it was unquestioned who the the loudest voice and the most trustworthy voices were supposed to be on that team. And it worked really well for Joe to have Lester and Ross be nice and loud and forceful on those teams. The first, the first thing, and it's a great point that you make, Matt, because uh, the first thing Joe Madden said at his press conference at the Cubby Bear, I believe was November 2nd of 2014, was I am going to be blessed with the fact that we have already outstanding players here in this organization and we're going to get more. And boom, a month later, they have, you know, they have John Lester. And, that, and that's a huge part of the, the rebuild. A year later, you get Jason Hayward, uh, you know, combinations of uh, Ben Zobris, uh, John Lackey, all those additions to the young players. So that was key. And the same thing with Jackson. He was blessed with outstanding players that uh, Jerry Krause supplied for him as well. So uh, you, you can be the greatest listener, the greatest talker, the greatest coach without the players. As we know, uh, you're going nowhere. We're going to get to Jason Hayward uh, next, but let's take a quick break, Matt, and, and come back. Uh, Jason Hayward was on with Lawrence Holmes this week and uh, had some uh, interesting things to say about a, a truncated season starting as well. Absolutely. And a possible comp with the Cubs and the Bulls that uh, that I brought up a few weeks ago, actually, um, that Jason Hayward had some thoughts on. Let's talk about that next. And then top of the hour, Don Cooper, the White Sox pitching coach, and Terry Francona at 1030. That's all right here on The Score on Inside the Clubhouse. After us at 11 o'clock, it'll be Mark Grody and Steve Rosenblum from 11 to 2. Zach Zaidman and Tom Thayer from 2 until 5. And uh, don't forget, by the way, that on Monday morning, Mark Eversley, the new general manager of the Bulls, will be on with Mully and Haw at 8.30. So the new Bulls GM on with Mully and Haw at 8.30 on Monday morning. All of that right here on 670 The Score. Oh, it's too early for the horn section. 670 The Score is where you are. Matt Spiegel and Bruce Levine on Inside the Clubhouse. Bruce, Don Cooper at the top of the hour. Very much looking forward to that. And Terry Francona at 1030. Yeah, it should be fun. Uh, let's get to some Jason Hayward. He was on with uh, Lawrence Holmes this week uh, talking a little bit about uh, where he's at, where is the game at, and uh, where he thinks uh, there might be a possibility for baseball to come back. Absolutely. And they also talked about uh, what we discussed with Joe Madden or with Lawrence and Joe Madden last segment. Does Jason Hayward see the correlation between Phil Jackson and Joe Madden? Especially, you know, how we do in Chicago, we're very sports savvy. You know, I feel like it's a sports savvy city, right? People pay attention to the little details, um, you know, more than the next city. So it's, it's hard to not throw that in there. The glasses, the white hair, the beards, you know, obviously <laughs> um, you know, the, the history making, Right. And, and, and the turn, you know, the, the turn of time in, in the city kind of passed. Someone passed the torch to them. You see the organization trying to make something happen. And then out of nowhere, boom, you get excitement, you get winning expectation and you, you get out of the box thinking. I feel like that's one thing you probably hear you know, a lot in the, in the last dance is, you know, the way Phil thinks out of the box. So very similar. 
Yeah, uh, very thoughtful, Jason Hayward, as always. And and everybody's talking about the last dance, and some of the Cubs players have thought about it. Uh, Bruce, and it, here's Jason with Lawrence, talking about their manager, David Ross, and how uh, this Cubs team has a bit of a chip on their shoulder, um, not exactly like, but similar to the way that those 1998 Bulls had one on theirs. This is my locker mate for my first three years. Um, this, this, for playing for Rossi, is, it, it just gives me chills, and I think it gives a lot of us chills because we know what his intensity is, right? We, we know he knows how to push our buttons. We know we want to run through a wall for him, and, and there's no question. You know, we, we know we're going to get it straight for him, good, bad, and ugly, and I think that goes a long way with a group like ours. We've got some guys right now possibly going into free agency, some guys with contract talks, some guys Lester pushing for Hall of Fame stuff. You know, everyone's kind of in, in a different spot right now. We talked about, you know, last dance kind of vibe. You know, the front office is in a different different spot. So I think he's the perfect guy for right now. That can be uh, very beneficial for a team to bond together with, uh, with a chip on their shoulder, thinking that, you know, the front office doesn't really believe in us quite as much. I mean, it's not as extreme as it was with the Bulls, but it makes sense to me that it exists a little bit with these Cubs, Bruce. Yeah, it's, uh, you know what, um, it's hard to win in the NBA. Uh, it's really hard to win in uh, baseball. And I, I know both, you know, have roughly 30 teams, you know, and you still have to be the best at what you do. But baseball's the season and the, you know, the structure of the wear and tear on the players is so, uh, it, it's such a big part of how you end up the season. You know, who's the healthiest team uh, at the end? Uh, who Who has maintained you know, their ability to play at a top level after 162 games. It has so much more to do with, uh, with winning in baseball than, than what you see in the NBA. Uh, NBA has maybe the greatest athletes, the best conditioned athletes, but it, it's such a, a different precision that you have to deal with when the, the, it comes to the two sports. So uh, for me, um, you know, the rah-rah part of baseball um, it doesn't quite it doesn't quite ever resonate with me, you know, as we're going to run through that wall for this guy. You know, you, that's a lot of running through walls in 162 games plus uh, playoffs. Well, but Ross is uh, is brought in there to, in part, bring back the energy and the attitude that he brought there as a player. And uh, yeah, OK. And, and, and Hayward and others have, have admitted that they need it. So, well, I'd love to see some baseball so we can see how it plays out. Yeah, just go out there and play your game and stay healthy. you got a real good chance to win. I don't believe you think it's that simple. It's, it, it matters how you feel, whether you care, whether you're attentive, whether you're focused. It matters. Yeah, these are professional, they're pro- professional players that have already gained a tremendous stature by getting to the major leagues and being good players. Now the rest is... Uh, very much about, you know, some leadership, I do agree, is really, really important. But uh, the rest is uh, maintaining your ability, maintaining your health through a very long season. I think they're humans that need to be motivated like the rest of us. But I hear okay, you. Well, um, we rarely agree about anything, but which is the beauty of our show. I, I think we should break. It's oh, you idea. do too. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. see? Look at that. Once in a while. Once in a while. 670, the score is where you are. (laughs) Don Cooper, the White Sox pitching coach, is coming up next. And Terry Francona at 1030. All of that right here on Inside the Clubhouse on 670, the score. 
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.